As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back. Or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, sportsman drag racing. Welcome to those of you watching along live on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Welcome as well to those of you listening via traditional means, wherever it is that you find podcasts. I am joined once again by my co-host, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Jed, I've got to say, Nothing against that madass. He jumped in. He did an honorable job last weekend. We had a ball. But it's good to see you, my friend. It's good to have you back. Well, it's good to be back. I I'm, I didn't get to listen. Obviously, I was uh, pretty consumed with WFC business. But uh, I, uh, I did hear a couple of reports that that madass did a wonderful job, which is no surprise to anyone. So I figured my only chance of remaining on the show was to stop him from going back to back weeks and just becoming, you know, part of this whole thing. So that I appreciate you filling in. You are awesome as always, but it's good to be back, Luke. Matt Dadis, I don't I, I don't think it was on air. I think it was after we after we hit the record button at the end to turn it back off. I said, man, Matt, that, that was awesome. Thank you. That, that that was a lot of fun. He goes, that was a lot of fun. Next time I do this, can can I do it with Jed? <laughs> I would enjoy that. I would enjoy I, that a lot. I would like to listen to that, as a matter of fact. I didn't even really take it as a slap in the face. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, Matt's uh, he's a pro at everything he does. So uh, I think he picked a great co-host for last week. And, uh, and I, I, at some point, I hope to get to go back and listen. Yeah, no question. All jokes aside, um, for the first time to ever do it, especially, I thought Matt was awesome. We had a lot of fun. I look forward to having him back on again in the future, although he might push back on that. Like we had the reverse podcast bump going on. Matt was going a bunch of rounds in Michigan, did the podcast, and I didn't really hear his name the rest of the week. So he might be out. 
on the sports and drag racing podcast moving forward. Yeah, it must be what happened to me too, Luke. So <laughs> I, I get it. I think I got the reverse podcast bump myself, but uh, I'm sure Matt will come out of that slump really soon. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. I think it is fair to say that the one of the, the four richest top bulb events last weekend happened. I also think it's fair to say that the most prestigious and one of the richest and perhaps the biggest ever, we'll get into that, bottom bulb race, certainly the biggest foot brake only ever event. Your World Footbreak Challenge. We'll go into all things WFC. We had a big race up in the Northwest that we will touch on as well. Jed, I know that the WFC is going to dominate conversation and rightfully so, but I do want to start with the main event of the SFG event, at least the $1.1 million Friday main event, which was won by none other than Travis Laster. Yeah, Luke, obviously I was, again, consumed with WFC business, so I wasn't getting to keep up with, uh, with the SFG event. There were times I would come in the tower and, uh, and somebody on the announcing team would have the laptop switched over to that event, watching it for good reason. Uh, you know, obviously uh, a major event on the, the bracket racing uh, scene and, uh, you know, garnered a lot of attention. And then... I, I don't know when it was late in the, the evening, I guess, did they move that race to Friday? Um, yeah. My days are running again. Okay. So late in the evening on Friday, I did see that Travis last year won. Um, uh, someone else mentioned to me his interview, said his interview was epic. Um, you know, he's a, he's a God-fearing man. So uh, they, they spoke highly of, of the way he conducted himself in the interview and some of the things he said. So, uh, I, I hope to get to go back and see that too. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's awesome when you're at an event that you're putting on and it's keeping you occupied because your crowd's big, but you do miss a lot of stuff. And I missed, uh, I missed that. Travis is a, is an awesome dude. And look, he's fast. I mean, he's real fast. That yeah. Was, uh, we, that was cool to see. When Adam Russell won the OG million a few years ago, I think he was dialed 430 something. And we thought that was fast. Travis it was faster <laughs> and said, no, 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 no. That's not fast. I think, I think Laster had the fastest car on the property. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily glued to the live feed yet, but I watched more of this than I, than I have watched a race in a long time. I watched him go 406 at one point. That's fast. Okay. No. I think it was the fastest car there. And dude was absolutely driving the wheels off of that thing, particularly in the big event. I got to pull it up because we talked about Matt Dadis. Matt sent me a text late Friday night and I, I, I had gone to bed. I, I think they were down to 12 cars, something like that. And I, I couldn't do it anymore. I said, uh, Matt texted me and, and said, did you happen to watch Travis Laster that last round? I want to say it was the round of 12. And I said, no, I missed it, man. I went to bed. And he just texts back. This is verbatim from, from Matt Dadis, co-host of last week. Dude, 200-foot wheelie all over the road, kicking the throttle for 300 feet, one above. That's the guy that won the million. That's, how awesome is that? It's the fastest car there, and he's driving the wheels off it. I watched. I said earlier, I watched him go 406. And I watched him come back the next round and dial 412. Come on. 
That's what I'm talking about. Was Jeff Sarah driving it or was it Travis last? Travis last. Great Travis stuff. That's a, that pegs the cool meter, Luke. It pegs it. 100%. And, and I mean, that might, I don't know. Like I, I've been that fast once in my life and I was just holding on for dear life. Like I wasn't even trying to look around. Wasn't anybody <laughs> by me anyway. That might, like in theory, I could see that being quote unquote easier going that fast simply because the majority of your opponents are going to, you're so fast that they're going to dial honest, right? So maybe you catch it early and, and, right. and slow down to it, but that's freaking impressive. Like, I don't care how you skin it. Holding six and winning the million, pretty pretty ballsy strategy to begin with. Holding six down four, ten and win the million. I like it. I like it a lot, Jed. Yeah, I like it too. That's uh, that's very impressive. I, I see Champs online. Uh, he said, I'm looking sexy. I'm anything but that, Champ. And yeah, Dustin Gooden, I'm <laughs> very tired and sleepy. But Champ, would you hold, would you still hold your number on Travis Laster if you were running him late in a million? I'd like well, now that, that we've broadcast that he's holding six, hell yeah, everybody would. We're going to give him a clean wheel. But, you know, <laughs> if we didn't know that coming in, I think it's debatable. Think it's debatable. Yeah, let's assume you didn't know. <laughs> Kudos to Travis Laster. I, I want to talk more about him as we go on. He defeated Dustin Wirtz in the final. Wirtz made the haul all the way from Idaho, showed up and showed out. And all credit to Dustin Wirtz. Like, I don't want to take any any of the shine off of his night and the runner-up finish and the money that he got. But Jed, the jackpot deal is I hate it. Like it's complete. I I just Maybe I'm old school, whatever. Dustin Wirtz, just as an example, again, not to take anything away from Dustin. Dustin lost whatever it was, third round, fourth round of the event. Got back in via the SFG jackpot. Through the three rounds of the jackpot, he benefited from three red lights. That put him back in the race at whatever it was, 12, 13 cars. The jackpot deal... I think I don't know about this particular event. I'd have to remember it, but it typically adds around to the race, which I hate. I hate that people are getting back in, and then and then when words went back in, he got another red light. Then I went to bed. Obviously, he 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 did he did some very impressive things to get to the point that he did. But it's just like I don't know. I'm not even a fan of the, the like the wild card drawings where they put one dude back in fourth round, much less eight that turns into one or two, whatever it is, like seventh eighth round. Like I. I've got a lot of good things to say, positive things to say about SFG in this event, but this is one thing like I just, I can't wrap my mind around and embrace the jackpot deal. I, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I'm definitely not a fan of that. Um, you know, Luke, it, it comes off as a, as a money grab. Um, it, it doesn't, I don't see the value in someone that is eliminated race at that point that can get back in the race via some drawing that they paid to enter. Um, I, I just, it doesn't improve the race whatsoever. It is only a financial gain for the promoter. And for that reason alone, I'm just not a fan. You know, uh, somebody that's eliminated at that point in the race should be eliminated. And, you know, the, the fact that they can get back in, and it seems like, you know, and I know this is probably just in my head, but for whatever reason, it always seems like that person goes deep, you know, maybe wins it, maybe goes to the final. Well, I mean, they inject two 
the, the door car winner and the dragster winner at like the round of 16 or less. Like, how can they not go deep? Yeah, well, that's a good point. That's a good point. You don't have to win a whole lot. You know, that 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 next few rounds puts you right in the middle of it. So I don't know. I, I'm with you wholeheartedly. I, I do not like it. I mean, the last time that I, I, I remember discussing this here on the podcast, I think it was two years ago when, when it was the 1.1 million, the guaranteed one that, that Steve Cisco won. And I, I may be wrong, but I believe this was the first time that they rolled it out. And I was like, yeah, that just, I don't like that. But look, the dude's guaranteeing a million dollars to win. Like if this is the way you got to get about that, like I can accept it. But the way that this race was structured, like, We'll get into the, the 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 weekend, and again, like I don't mean to to crush on Kyle Riley and SFG. I, I do have a lot of positive things to say. I just I don't like the feel of this in any event, much less an event of this magnitude. And I say again, I'll repeat, like I don't mean to throw any shade on Dustin Wirtz's accomplishments. Awesome night for him. All he was doing was playing by the rules provided. So not taking anything away from Dustin in his accomplishment. It was just a, a striking example of how much I don't like that particular program i couldn't agree more um, you know it's not not anything i want to bash on anybody about just not a fan it's it's not has nothing to do with the sfg's version of it i'm just not a fan of it in any event i do think it's worth noting as we as we circle back to travis laster obviously the the man of the hour um and i haven't seen any really talk about this and maybe it's just because like Guys like us are fairly uncomfortable talking about something like this, but Travis Laster is the first black man to win a quote unquote million. And the OG million started, what, 27 years ago? We're talking 1996. I was, I had, I had to go back through and look at the results just to verify, like, there's 26 winners that look a lot like me and you, Jed. It's, it's all white dudes, right? And the Spring Fling Million, what, seven winners? All white dudes. The former SFG Million, the Great American Million. Like, there's never been anything but white men win. And so I think this is notable, right? Like, I, I, and it was nearly, nearly an all Afri- African-American final. Leon Robertson was in the, in the final round on the door car side. It was nearly Leon versus Travis. Obviously, Leon lost to Dustin Wirtz in that final. But if you just look at the the history of of big dollar bracket racing like it's not just black and white right like there's not a lot of successful hispanics there's not been a ton of successful even women right so does travis laster's win like am i trying to say that that signifies a changing of the guard like no i don't i don't think so but is it even indicative of an increase in involvement beyond guys that look like us not necessarily, although I do think that the participation of competitors that are not guys that look like us has increased since, at least since I started racing, right? Whether you're looking at Blacks, women's, uh, Hispanics, et cetera. And then specifically at the SFG events, like obviously Kyle Riley is a, is a Black promoter. Like I do see more uh, Black racers at those events, which I think just makes sense. Like you, you support, you know, I think it's very easy to support people that you that you have something in common with, right? Um, so all of that said, like I don't know that this is changes anything, but at the same time, like is it refreshing? Yeah. And if you zoom out from it a little bit, is it a positive thing for our sport? Absolutely, one hundred percent. And then you put on top of that, like you mentioned earlier, like Travis Laster's 
one of the most likable dudes at the track, right? And and then particularly what he said afterwards in the interview that you had mentioned, like, I don't know, it's just, it's one of those things that I feel like has been brushed under the rug a little bit, but I think it's worth noting because I, I do think it's a, it's a seminal moment. Yeah, look, I can't help but think if, if a, a female had won this event, that it would be blasted. Yeah, right. Um, uh, across the airwaves. Um, so I, I couldn't agree more that this probably didn't get the attention that you would think, uh, you know, that I guess you could say that it deserves, but that is expected it, for lack of a better word. So definitely um, find that a little bit odd, especially, you know, when you think about the opportunity for a black man to win or a black female either to win, it, it's limited because your field is dominated by, by white males. So obviously people that look like you and I have the better opportunity to win just based on the odds. So, you know, Travis, not only becoming the first black winner of a million to, to do that uh, with the odds stacked against you. And then in the style that we talked about earlier, very, very impressive. Uh, you know, and Luke, when we think about, the impact that a Tiger Woods had on his sport and what that did for the, the people that, that look like him, that have the, the same background as him and the, the influx of those people into the sport. I can only hope that this has the same kind of impact. You think about Anson Brown recently, black young black man, then Travis Laster winning the next big buck event, the, the, pre, the premium race or the, the main event race. So, you know, hopefully this injects some different people into our sport and, and certainly shows them that if you go out and perform well, it doesn't matter what color your skin is or, or what you look like or how long your hair is or any of that other stuff, you're capable of getting it done. Yeah, it's interesting. You bring up like, why is it different? Like, because I do think there's like a stigma around this. We would definitely be talking about this more. Everyone would be talking about this if it was a female, like. It's, it's, I think it's, maybe it's people like us af afraid of saying the wrong thing is, is the reason that this doesn't get blasted out. Like, I think that's a part of this, but I just, just notable. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, Travis, don't get me wrong. Travis Laster is no Jackie Robinson, right? Like there, there, there's, there's been an, enough diversity within our sport. Like, it's not like he's breaking ground, but to actually break through and win on this level, it's just, I think it's more notable that it's never happened than the fact that it it did just happen, right? So, and and I think it's uh, it's cool to see Travis be the one to do it. I think he's a good one to hold the flag. Yeah, very well said. And and you're probably right about you know that's a that's a subject that um, has a lot of potential sensitivity around it. And you know we might be fearful of saying the wrong thing, but um, definitely definitely think that that should get a lot of attention because when it's all said and done, Travis beat the odds. I mean, the, the odds were against him in terms of the color of his skin and, uh, and he got it done as did Anson. So, um, you know, both of those deserve a lot of attention for what they're accomplishing. Surrounding the, the main event at the SFG race. And, and obviously we'll, we'll dive right into WFC, but there's, three fifty thousand dollar to win races and i don't think we can talk about them without talking about shane week shane Carr's weekend if if travis laster was certainly the man of the hour 
Shankar wasn't far behind. Dude put on an absolute show, um, despite not making any noise in the in the one point one million dollar race. He was in the dragster final of the first fifty grander. Dropped that one to Timothy Thomas. He was in the dragster final of the second fifty grander. He dropped that one to Donovan Williams. Came back after the million, then won not only the dragster final, but the overall final of the closing 50 grander, defeated Brian Folk in the final, defeated car owner Donnie Burleson in the all in the uh, dragster final. All of this, Jed, on the heels of a $10,000 win at Byron the week before. I think it's perhaps like this is a difficult thing to say when you've got a resume that looks like Shane Carr's resume and a career that looks like Shane Carr's career. I think it's fair to say that this is the most impressive week of a Hall of Fame career for one Shane Carr. Yeah, Luke, you know, not knowing all of Shane's history, I think uh, I do remember Shane having some great success that that I wasn't there to witness, but hearing about at the at the Moroso five day back in the day. And I'm sure some other events that he's done well, but in today's times with the, the equipment, the talent, the ability of pretty much anybody in the pits to lay down a run that you just can't beat, this is extremely impressive on Shane's part. Um, you know, obviously Shane's a winner. He's driven the win. Um, and those final round defeats probably sting him more than the, the, the final round win excites him but that's what makes him this good. You know, the 10 K win at Byron and then coming back and going to three fifty K finals. I mean, obviously not the, the end result final, but the dragster finals in two, and then winning the total final in one very, very impressive. I mean, that's a, that's a talented dude. And, you know, we get a lot of flack for the old, for the whole number 26, whatever thing that, when we did our top 25, but, you know, obviously Shane is, a uh, is probably a top 15 all time forever pick, uh, maybe even top 10. I don't, I mean, I'm, I know I'm probably going to get myself in some hot water for even saying that, you know, that he's not top five and he might be top five when it's all said and done. But um, this guy's had a, an incredible, incredible successful career on the racetrack. He's my age, Luke. I'll be 52 in a few days, and I think Shane's all over my age. And for him to still be out there doing this at that level, at that age, which isn't easy, I mean, this guy might not be ready to stop for a while. You know, he he could put himself in the talks of some of the greatest ever uh, when it's all said and done with 10 more years of this type of success. No, and the most impressive thing I think about Shane is, I mean, he's done this at this level now for years, right? And I think it's been, it's been well over a decade since Shane owned his own race car. Like it's constantly in different equipment, seemingly every week, every other week, hopping in something else. And to be able to, like, I don't, I just, that being able to hop from car to car, dragster to door car, what have you, and maintain that level of competition. Like I just, I think it is easier said than done. And something that a lot of, a lot of guys make look easy that we take for granted. Like 
there's something to be said for just being in familiar confines and Shane almost never is right. And to just continually um, show up and show out. I mean, he's been in multiple million dollar race finals. I think he's got a couple of IHRA world championships back in the day, but I'm telling you for the last decade plus, it's been a different car by the month, at least, if not by the weekend. And to continue, obviously, this weekend's a bit of an outlier. You don't make multiple $50,000 race finals every single weekend. But it's no surprise to see his name in that discussion. And it's just a testament to his ability. And it's really impressive when you step back from it. Very good point. I, I think that's one of the things that that I wish I had thought about when I was discussing him is his ability to get go from car to car and, and get great results. He's been driving uh, a boss man, you know, boss man from here in Alabama. He's been driving his Chevy too around here locally. Watch Shane go deep, maybe the semis of a, of a 25 grander foot brake race at Gulfport early this year in that car, which is very difficult. And then, you know, go to final rounds at Baylorton. Uh, on a Saturday night, which is difficult because they got all-star after all-star there racing every Saturday night. Uh, so, you know, he can do it in a door car. He can do it in a dragster, uh, long track, short track. The guy's just really, really talented and has had a storied career, one that that people should have a lot of respect for. I know I certainly do. And the fact he's from Alabama, Luke, just – really is icing on the cake. I mean, it's just, it, it makes him just a little bit better to me. From Alabama and now back to his roots in Alabama, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. back home. Hitting, hitting home for you. Hitting home. Uh, other quick winners from Michigan. Uh, the aforementioned Donnie Burleson had a really strong weekend himself. Obviously his car owner for Shane Carr, runner up to Shane and the dragster side of that last 50. He started the week with a $20,000 win himself. Wes May won the first 50 over Timothy Thomas. Kevin Pollard won the second 50 over Donovan Williams. Um, and then, of course, Shane Carr won that last 50 grander uh, with the final round win over Brian Folk. That sets the table, Big Jed. World Foot Break Challenge. You are a few days removed from hosting what I, I think is the biggest event of the year to date may end up being the biggest event of 2023. I'm fairly confident in saying is it's one of the biggest, most well-attended events ever in, in big dollar bracket racing. Almost certainly the biggest no-box event ever. The most well-attended footbrake race ever. Congratulations on a wild but hugely successful World Footbrake Challenge. Well, thank you, Luke. Uh, I mean, obviously... Uh, Steve and I have gotten a lot of credit for the super large crowd and and basically the worst weather we've ever had in 17 years and getting three of the four winners that we had scheduled or planned to get. Uh, that was quite a challenge to, to get 75% of our winter circles done and completed, but all credit all credit goes to the racers for showing up because they all saw the forecast, Luke, every single one of them. And the Bristol Dragway staff and crew, incredible job by them. They were out there sometimes. We got five rain delays uh, from Thursday to Sunday, and none of those was on Thursday. So we got five in three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So 
that was challenging. You know, the, the rain came at terrible times. I don't know if you can have rain at a good time, but it was, uh, it was, it made everything just a little bit more of a challenge. And then the massive crowd, you know, you get concerned, like we can't finish what have you with, with rain, but the Bristol staff was out there sometimes before it quit raining, you know, we could all see that it was about to stop and uh, all credit goes to them. This, this couldn't have been possible without uh, our staff at Coburg Race Promotions, Bristol staff, and certainly the racers and their spirit and enthusiasm just to, to even attend and believe in the product enough that, that they felt like they would get their money's worth. So really, really cool and a, a full team effort. Yeah, it's got to be super gratifying on your end just to see that many grassroots footbreak racers continue to support this event and seemingly increase support in this event almost exponentially year over year on the racetrack. You guys preemptively, you knew a big crowd was coming, so preemptively you condensed three days of main event into two. Weather forced two days being condensed into one. One $50,000 to win marquee main event to close the weekend, which was one by one. Taylor Bowling, Big Jed. Taylor, I think, burst onto the scene, it's fair to say, last season, won seemingly every bottom ball race in the land for a two or three months stretch there, like last spring, last summer. And this year, just an incredible season now that we zoom out from it a little bit, highlighted by two big dollar, big, big money final rounds that really could not have much less in common. The last time that we talked about Taylor Bowling, he was runner-up to Lane Dickin in the $100,000 to win main event at the TB Promotions race in Bowling Green. Now, that was a box race. Taylor was letting go of the switch on the top bulb. It had a 128-car field. The entire race was running, I don't know, four or five hours. Juxtapose that with what he did Sunday. $50,000 to win at the World Footbreak Challenge. Footbreak only a 500-plus car field, a marathon event of, what, 17-plus hours from start to finish on Sunday? Like, you can't get much. The, the, the required skill sets to win those two events should be vastly different, and yet Taylor Bowling possesses all of them. Really standout stuff. Yeah, it truly is, Luke. Uh, you know, Taylor entered the race um, a little bit later than most, and. Uh, and I, I, I questioned him when he entered. I said, man, you, you, you know, you're, you're driving so good on the top, uh, obviously, in the notes here about the Summer Door Car Shootout, great performance there. Obviously had a great performance at TV Promotions event at Bowling Green with the 100K runner-up. I, I mean, silly me, but I said, are you sure this is the race you want to go to this weekend? I mean, there's potential life-changing money available, and you are – driving as good as anyone in the country right now. He said, very quick reply, WFC winner's circle is one I've wanted for a long, long time. I enjoy foot breaking and that's what I want to do. And I want to try to get in the winner's circle there. I've been wanting to be there for a long time. And by George, he got it done at 10 minutes till 1 a.m. on Monday morning. <laughs> for 50k over one of the best that'll ever do it in charlie lockhart so very impressive uh, performance by both of those guys and then 
Taylor coming out on top of that six dead six, you know, a super solid lap in the final round. Uh, the guys, he's very, very talented and he is flat in the zone right now. Without question. I think, uh, the, the rounds that I saw, like Taylor double O was a common occurrence throughout the day. And obviously late in the day. And I think Charlie Lockhart, he laid down a perfect run at some point in route to the final, right? Yeah, Charlie did. And, and I no offense to Taylor because he won the race, he got it done, but I don't think anybody was driving any better than Charlie in totality. Um, obviously, in the final round, when it was over, Charlie told me right before the, the interview, he said, I, I told Shay, his wife, he said, there's a 30 in there somewhere. I know I'm going to find it. And he found it. He found it at the wrong time when his opponent was six dead six. But with all due respect to Charlie, I'm not sure even the, the great runs he was making, he was going to beat six dead six. You know, if you're if you're four, five, six and you take seven, eight, nine and do a great job, you lose. So um charlie drove extremely well but taylor was just going to be you know he was undeniable he, he just was driving so well and his decision making is really good even when he even when he's behind he goes down there and does all the right things at the finish line and does it the right way guy's very impressive super nice guy always smiling just enjoying himself at the races and he was a he was a joy to watch for sure yeah, you mentioned that the $50,000 event finished up, what, 10 minutes short of the 1 a.m. curfew Sunday night into Monday morning. The reasoning behind that, it was massive. Did I have the count right for Friday's Gambler's Race, 713? 713 was the number, Luke. <laughs> um, it was, we, we announced 711. We used two systems at uh, Bristol basically a 1320 go style laptop setup that counts the runs and then CompuLink counts them as well. And we, we reported the number off of the laptop, but when we went into CompuLink, we saw that, uh, that it was 713, not 711. So does that make a big difference? Not really, but you know, it was super impressive. Not only the field, the field was very impressive and, you know, us foot brake guys, we, I think everybody just enjoyed being a part of something so historic because Luke, we know that's miserable. I mean, you and I know that's miserable. 713 entries is miserable. That's not any, nobody wants to sit and wait that kind of time before they get to run again or any of that stuff. So I was concerned about that part of the event, but by and large, everybody was so excited about being a part of something so historic. Uh, I think that overrode the the miserable feel. And that was definitely was just, the sense that I got just from social media was like, it's just so yeah. awesome to be a part of this. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a cool vibe, a really cool vibe and, and certainly appreciate everybody that, that created that vibe. But, um, you know, we, we just continuously got, uh, thanked for what we do and all those things. But again, the real hero are the racers. Uh, the real heroes are the racers that th what they created and what they endured to, to finally get to that $50,000 wrap up win at, at 12 50 AM on Monday, uh, truly incredible. And 
they were smiling the whole way. It was, it was freaking awesome. And, you know, that happened Friday and then Saturday's race was a 25 grander. Sunday was going to be a 25 grander. Obviously we, we uh, got some rain on Saturday and that changed the program up before the re-entry round was over. And we could see at the time the rain came and all of that, that, that it was going to be impossible to finish Saturday's race. So the decision, you know, the factors in the decision were, do we want to just start back up and run and go as far as we can go and then split it and then go into Sunday with a clean slate for 25 more? Or do we want to not do that to the racers and just get one clear winner? So, so we made the decision. We still had 45 left in Friday's race. We were going to have to try to figure them out. So we were going to have to split either the gambler's race or run the, we was going to have to split the gambler's race and run the 25 as far as we could and split it too, or finish the gambler's race when we got back on the track at 7 p.m. Uh, Saturday, finish that 45, and then scrap Saturday and start Sunday brand new for 50. So we made that decision. And Luke, if if we could go back in time, as Steve always says, hindsight's twenty. Uh, and I think you I think you get that. Uh, we we would have because we could tell you know the forecast was up and down. It was going to be challenging. So we wish we had started the fifty Saturday morning and just taken two days to complete that. And I think it would have put a better vibe out in the pits, but we obviously changed a lot of people's plans and affected people, some people negatively with that decision, which is a a huge regret for us. And, uh, and 130 people got a refund for Sunday for that 50 grander, which was just a weekend entry refund. So 130 people went to the booth out back and got that. And we, we have always had a full refund policy and we, we don't ask any questions. We don't get mad at you. And, and I had a lot of racers that were upset with people for uh, getting out and, and man, that's it just ain't right. You guys are working hard. You know, we don't question that. If somebody feels like they just the format doesn't fit them or, or whatever doesn't fit them and they want a refund, by all means, we want them to go get a refund and, and, be as happy as they can be and reality is when it was all said and done Luke the 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 right amount of people Mm -hmm. that allowed us to finish we ended up with 502 on Sunday and which was a great crowd I mean that's a that's a huge crowd for us and one we were very happy with and that was after 130 had left we had 625 625 entries in Saturday's race that went down first round uh, so we ended up with 502 on Sunday, worked out well. We finished 10 minutes before curfew. All's well that ends well. We got three of the four winners that we had planned. And, you know, we we honestly, truthfully, wholeheartedly did the best we could do and made the, the decision we thought was best. And again, hindsight being what it is, we would go back and, and start that 50 on Saturday and just tell everybody, look, the forecast is iffy. We all see it. And this is what we're going to do. And that would have had 600 plus 
in that 50 grander. And I think we would have ended at a decent time on Sunday and would have given everybody a little bit better feel. So um, we own that. We own that mistake. We, we made a call that wasn't a bad call, but it wasn't the best call we could have made. And um, I think we all learned a lesson there. Well, you can't know what you don't know. And Jed, I'm not just saying this because you're my buddy and I'm not just saying this because I'm staring at you on over Zoom like I do pretty much every week of the year. The, the way that you continue to handle the, the refund policy, like that's the reason that 700 footbreakers came to support you. Like I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. For the most part, you've got a very blue collar crowd. A lot of those men and women had to be back to work early Monday morning. They know that Sunday is going to be late. And when you got, when you continue to provide the opportunity to get a full refund, even though you've been there for two days, three days, in some cases, like that, that is the reason that they'll be back. And that's the reason that they came in the first place. So kudos to you guys. Well, I appreciate that, Luke. You know, that's um, again, our, our mission since day one has been, that uh, we want to treat racers the way we want to be treated when we're in the pits. And, uh, and that's one of the things that, that we put in our foundation was that we would always offer a full refund for any racing that you haven't competed in. We don't ask any questions. We don't never have denied a refund for anything that was refundable. So uh, it worked out 130 people, left and uh, and hopefully got home safely and got themselves back to their regular normal life and 502 stuck around competed for 50 grand and we got that winner and you know i guess again all's well that ends well but uh i guess it was just the way it was meant to be i mean you know many more cars than what we had we don't we don't finish we had two rain delays on sunday so we finished 502 car race with two rain delays on sunday again, a testament to the Bristol crew and staff. And, um, and you know, we talked a lot about Taylor Bowling and, and what he did. Uh, there were there were some other winners. Um, obviously, Thursday, we got off to a really good start with a great day. Had a 335-car single-entry gambler's race on Thursday. Paid 5K, and, uh, and Devin Dudley got that win over Hot Rod Fincham. Deadly. Deadly, Devin Dudley. And uh, Devin, uh, you know, getting another win on the mountain, just an impressive young man. Again, a black man. So, uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy that we've been, a, we've, we're accustomed to watching win on the bottom. So I guess it's not, doesn't create quite the wow factor for Devin, uh, but, uh, but he's definitely a very talented uh, bottom bulb racer, regardless of skin color. And he, uh, he performed very well, basically all days went deep into Sunday's program and earned himself uh, the Mike Mo MVP, which is in honor of my late great father-in-law. Uh, Devin was named the MVP of the event. Uh, we presented all that to him Sunday evening in an emotional ceremony. So a uh, really cool deal. Really proud for Devin. Uh, talented young man, represents himself very well. Family's always with him going to the starting line. Just a, just a real feel-good kind of kind of vibe around him and his racing uh each and every time i get to see him but the 50 grand winners mvps all that luke no offense to anybody but none of it compared 
to Todd McKinney, um, the, the father of the late Lucas McKinney, which I think many people remember the story of Lucas passing in a, in a terrible uh, shutdown area incident last year, early last year. Todd got the win um, last year at Labor Day in one of the 10 granders, which was extremely emotional, extremely emotional. And he comes back this year and wins the largest foot break race in the history of the sport and does it in front of a huge crowd of friends and family. And Luke, we, we, we see the rain come and it hits and it changes all these plans and causes a 25 grander to get canceled and turn into a 50. And you got 45 cars left in this 713 car race that you, you don't feel like you're going to find a spot to finish it. And when it all shakes out, Todd McKinney is the last man standing after the rain forced us to go back to the, the, the gambler's race, which we made a 15K. It was a 10K on the flyer. Obviously, the, the participation was extremely good, and we bumped that up to a 15K. So Todd wins the 15K gamblers over uh, Cody Barnhart, which is Cody's a very difficult out, another Bayleton racer that's super talented and a guy that you, has you won You did on miss it on last show. That's, that was actually a win for me, Big Jed, because Matt and I predicted the winners. I just called oh. I just called Bayleton. So I, I thought he was in. I, I won. Very good Almost. call. Very good call. I, that, was a, that was a really good broad pick um, and stood a real good chance for you. But uh, uh, Cody come up a little short there to Todd, but the winter circle scene celebration, the, the excitement around that wind light coming on, all of that stuff for Todd was extremely incredible. It was wonderful to be a part of, and uh, and he certainly talked a lot about uh, Lucas, um, and and you know God and family and just all the the great things that that he still has. Obviously, a tremendous loss there with Lucas being gone, but Todd uh, spoke a lot about what's still here, and um, just a very emotional, wonderful time there in the winter circle with him, and. You know, when, again, when you look back on the decisions we made for that decision to lead us to that winter circle celebration was, you know, divine intervention. It was fate. It was any other word you can put on it that that's out of our control. But it was awesome is what it was. Yeah, no question. No question. Anything else from WFC before we turn the page? I just want to give you the free reign, the platform. Any any stories, any any. I mean, I'm sure you could go on for hours, but yeah, you know, there was, there was so much, um, so much other stuff outside of the racing. Um, but you know, I could sit and talk about that for a long time. Hard luck award winners, like Joe Hutto motorhome blew up on the way up there and stuff like that. And great sponsors that helped us, but really just want to highlight our staff that put in tremendous amount of work and hours hopefully those that were able to to kind of watch or watch around it or see facebook saw our social media presence uh it was pretty strong uh, really enjoyed uh, watching going back and seeing some of that in the last couple of days um uh, jessica spears Cade caulfield of course Paige hamlin uh, jake hodge 
did a lot of interviews, Ryan Gleghorn on the mic. Um, we had some guest announcers too. JJ raced really well. I was really proud of JJ. Tore his truck up and had to jump into Malibu that we had there for a spare. So um, proud of him. Uh, Andrew Lindemoo, my nephew, drove well. Both of those. Andrew was doubled at 23 in the 50. JJ was uh, singled at 23 in the 50, and they exited all three entries there. But uh, just proud of those guys and the way they raced. Uh, my my uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law, Ben and Kristen, my nephew, Colt, of course, our wives, uh, Shonda and Jenny Moe, and, and our kids, um, Dylan and Sarah on Steve's side, JJ on my side. Everybody put in a lot of effort, and then the Bristol Dragway staff did an incredible job. But, Luke, my, my favorite part of the entire event, uh, my father, Bobby Joe Pennington, was there for the, for the second year in a row. He came in the early years, but hasn't been in quite some time. He came last year. He came again this year. Uh, they surprised me with a little interview. They, they took him upstairs and interviewed him and, you know, give him an opportunity to talk about just himself and, and me and the race and Steve and all the, the stuff that he was there to watch. And uh, just a really cool interview that, uh, that I'm very appreciative of. And, um, and certainly, I, I don't even know if it's posted online. I think it's scheduled to go out if it isn't out already. But uh, certainly the highlight for me was was that moment. So um, that's that's really the uh, the only takeaways I have. I, again, I could talk about stuff for days, but uh, our ice cream melted. That was that was quite the bummer. Uh, our freezer kicked a breaker. And, oh, no. Yeah, it had a thousand eight piece of ice cream. We. We didn't, all of it didn't ruin because some of it was already gone when it ruined, but it was, that was pretty disappointing. So, racers, we owe you. Everybody that bought back on Sunday, we owe you. And uh, we'll, we'll try to make it up to you with a, with a nice treat next year. But, um, pretty sad deal there. But it created a, 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 just a full bucket load of memories, Luke. And, you know, it was the largest single class event at Bristol Dragway in their history. Wow, that's yeah. saying something. Yeah. yeah, that is that is saying something. Is the largest, obviously, footbrake race anywhere in history. Um, it was uh, it was the it was a hundred and what was it a hundred and sixty two entries larger than the previous record. You know, you didn't just clip it; you beat it by one hundred and sixty. <laughs> yes, close. Just close. <laughs> so. It was just, it was epic, man. It really was. And I know there's some things we can do better. Uh, I've, I've gotten some messages about that and I'm, I'm appreciative of everybody's opinion. And I've gotten a lot of messages full of encouragement and I'm appreciative of those too. But um, all in all, just exceeded our expectations and, uh, and was freaking awesome. Big Jed, the World Footbreak Challenge was everything that it was cracked up to be. That, that obviously had the attention of bottom ball racers, specifically foot brake racers nationwide. The SFG 1.1 million had the attention of top ball racers nationwide. While the purse pales in comparison, there was another big event last weekend up in the Northwest. And for that area, the event that the Sears family put on at Bremerton Raceway was notable. It's two fives and a 10. That's big, big money up in the Northwest. And Jed, I thought it was worth discussing, at least touching on, because there's some very familiar names in the winner's circle, led by none other than 
friend of the podcast, Stephanie Bustin Mass, who won the Friday Five Grander. Kevin Shear, a member of This Is Bracket Racing Elite, got the biggest win of his career. He won the Saturday $10,000 main event of note. William Best, runner-up in both of those races, runner-up Friday, runner-up Saturday. Congrats to William. Brad Burton, another big name uh, out on the uh, on the West Coast and the Northwest. He was Sunday's no-box winner. And we talked about a feel-good story where you were at, Big Jed. Another feel-good story up in the Northwest. One Cooper Chun made his triumphant return to the winner's circle in Sunday's $5,000 race. It was Cooper's third consecutive year winning this event, but certainly none more special than this one, having gone through what Cooper has gone through over the course of the last 12 months since he last won this race. As if that $5,000 victory weren't enough. Cooper backed that up a couple of days later. He won the July 4th event at Portland. That was a Wally race. So back-to-back wins for Cooper Chun after a, a lengthy and, and debilitating battle with cancer that no one should have to go through, much less someone's Cooper Cooper's age. Great to see him back where he belongs, behind the wheel of a race car, and ultimately in the winner's circle. Yeah, Luke, so several takeaways here, and I'm I'm so glad that you 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 brought this event and these winners to the show to discuss uh, uh you talked about the sears family that puts this event on jeremy sears old buddy of mine i ain't got to see jeremy or talk to him in quite some time uh he he came out back when we were associated with yukon gear and axle he was a, a employee there he represented them on the grounds at bristol and just was he's a he's a very genuine helpful cool dude and Great to see him still continuing with this event out there and it going well. Uh, very deserving of him and his family that are involved. Uh, our good friend, Bustin. I mean, Stephanie Bustin, Nass, getting it done for 5K. That's freaking awesome. Just, you know, not only because her, her nickname's one of the best ones in racing, but, you know, it's cool to see Stephanie do well. She uh, she's, a, she's a cool young lady and uh and a lot of good things happen in her life so happy for her of course the winners uh you know kevin shear and uh, william bass with the runner-up all that's great bad brad you know what else can you say about him home state getting it done in no box i'm sure he's quite a handful out there when he chooses to do a little bit of bracket racing and and i did talk about how great the story was for todd mckinney but no story compares to this luke uh cooper chun so much love around this young man, so much, um, so much prayer and so much support for him to, to try to continue to beat this terrible disease. And, and he, he's, you know, he was stricken at such a young age. And, and this is, this is triumph in a nutshell when you just get out there and compete, when you just get to get out there and do it, man, with, with, you know, maybe no expectations of winning. Maybe he expected to win. I don't know where Cooper's mindset was, but getting it done for in the Sunday 5k and a third consecutive year winning the event in different states of his health from, from first to last and still doing it. And then backing that up with the, you know, with the 4th of July victory at Portland on Tuesday, what an unbelievable story. What an unbelievable young man, what an unbelievable journey. And just so proud of this young man and, and everybody that's in his corner, uh, including us, just pulling for him and wanting to see him do continue to do great things. 
it doesn't get any better than that. So uh, congrats to all the winners, but especially you, Cooper Chun. That's uh, that's incredible, bud, and really happy to see you getting it done. Could not agree more, Jed. Before we get out of here, I do I do want to circle back. I want to backtrack and talk a little bit more about the SFG 1.1 million from a big picture standpoint. Like, I think it's obvious. I don't know how much of this you caught. Obviously you were immersed in what you were doing in Bristol, but without question, the biggest source of discussion from the event was one Danny Hoff and his Tesla, right? And, and it opened up Pandora's box on electric vehicles in general. Like that's a different rabbit hole to go down, but I actually just full disclosure, Danny's a member of the Sis Bracket Racing Elite. And he was on one of our live calls earlier this week. And so I got a little bit more insight. Like he, we just kind of let him take over, right? And 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 he told us what 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 we might know, what we might think we know, what we don't know about racing and an electric vehicle and some of the things that he's been facing and some of the things he's been accused of, et cetera. Like it's a whole rabbit hole. It's probably a, 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 an episode in and of itself. But I, I'm more prepared to talk about it now than ever. I know we've 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 hinted around, we've we've had some version of the EV discussion, but maybe we table that for for next week because I think next week's going to be relatively slow. I'm ready to get into it. I'm ready to talk electric vehicles. You up for that? Yeah. So, Luke, I am uh, <laughs> I am not um, very savvy or, or intelligent when it comes to to these vehicles and how they function so more so than expressing my opinion on them i'm definitely interested in hearing danny's take on the good the bad the ugly and and certainly what you've learned hearing more about it um and full disclosure you know we allowed electric cars until this race this mm-hmm. was our first race where we did not allow them any longer and simply because, can I, can I just be, I said full transparency. So that's really, you don't hold anything back when it's full transparency. You got this, that at all. This, this feels like, no offense, but, and then you're going to say <laughs> something really offensive. Uh, so, so full transparency, they're just not, they're not worth the trouble that you get from people. And, and I'm just trying to be honest here. I have no problem with them. Don't know how to tech them properly. I get it. Uh, do I think people are out there doing things they shouldn't? Maybe, but I don't think that was happening at any of our events. But the flack that you get for them when the most you've ever had is three show up at the track, it's just not worth it. Love those guys. I appreciate them. I, I, I wish that we could all coexist, but as drag racers, we tend to condemn what we don't understand. Very we, we have convinced ourselves as a community that those guys are doing something wrong because we heard somebody say it. And I don't believe that. I really don't believe they're doing anything wrong, but I don't have a way of proving yes or no from a tech standpoint. So they had to go. And that was the reason. So I'm really looking forward to that discussion. Yeah, no. And and that's, I don't, I don't even like, I don't think that you're wrong in making that decision. Like I, and I don't, I don't even know that that's where the, the debate that I want to have. I just want to talk about the big picture. You know, I'm going to straddle the fence, right? Like I'm going to tell you both sides of the story, but I want to, I want to put it in context of more of 
where does this thing go? Right. Like forecast the future. Like give me a prediction. How, how do we how do we figure this out and sort through it? That's what I want to talk about next week. But again, that's more for next week. On last week's show, I told you Matt Datus and I, we made predictions for the WFC. We also made predictions for the main event at the SFG 1.1 million. My pick was Nick Folk. Matt's pick was Chris Bear. Both of them advanced to the round of 12. I was feeling good. Nick was actually doubled, I think, the round before that. I'm like, oh, my horse, my horse is going to get through. They both fell in the round of 12. And honestly, Big Jed, the quarterfinal round was largely void of a quote-unquote big name, right? Kevin Pruitt was, uh, was arguably the most accomplished racer still standing at that point. Um, my question to you, like the fact that it was not, not to take anything away from the six that were remaining, they're obviously all great racers, nothing but great racers enters a race like this, but it wasn't Jeff Sarah and Gary Williams and Hunter Patton and Wes May. And you know what I mean? It wasn't the quote unquote usual suspects. Is that good for an event like this moving forward? Oh, uh, most definitely. Uh, good for it. I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the typical, let me get my quotes in there. The typical winner, the, the, the one that, oh yeah, you know, Gary Williams won again, Jeff Sarah won again. I don't think that does real good things for car count and participation. And that's, you know, certainly don't mean any offense to those guys. Uh, they're, they're very talented and they're going to win their share. But I just I think people sit back and and see that happen over and over and over, and at some point convince themselves they they can't beat those racers. So to see people beat them, and then the quarterfinals is a significant number of cars remaining that that don't have one of those names in it at a premier event. Yeah, I think that is very good for the sport, and and certainly will get somebody in the show next time that wasn't planning on going. So I definitely think it's uh, it, it creates some health in the sport that we love. Agreed. Speaking on in the terms of this particular event going forward, again, I wasn't on the grounds, watched a fair amount of it via live feed, kept up via social media. This seemed to go really well. Like it seemed to be a very well-received, well-run event. Um, the car count for the, the big show, it wasn't great. It was just under 200 for the 1.1 million. But if I'm going to be completely transparent, Jed, and we, we hinted toward this, that was better than I expected, right? A after last season's event, this event last season, on this show, we largely kind of took up for Kyle Riley and SFG after last year's race where the purse got cut, right? We, we, we basically, I don't want to say defended, but gave some reasoning behind it and, 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 and gave props, I think, where credit was due. And at, in that moment, it felt like that was largely the way that the racers felt. It was like, yeah, like we're in support of whatever you got to do. Like, we don't want to see SFG go away. If that means the purse has, gets cut a little bit, like, I don't want to see anybody lose money, right? In the time since then, it felt like the tide had turned. Like the the public sentiment was more against SFG. And my impression again was like, man, I just don't know how this is going to go. And when I heard that the 50 granders weren't 
knock it out of the park. I think it was somewhere between 300 and 330 entrants, something like that in those races. My immediate thought was, oh God, what's going to happen in the million? You know, what's, and, and my thought was, is, is he going to take a beating here? And I completely, that, and I studied the flyer really for the first time. And I completely had it backwards because the way that they've structured these events from a racer standpoint, those 50 granders are tremendous. Like the payback, the round money is through the roof to the point that I didn't go through and completely do the math. But if those races were profitable at 320 cars, they didn't profit much. On the flip side, the big show, the million, couldn't lose, right? It was the opposite. Typically, traditionally, your quote unquote million dollar race weekends, from a racer standpoint, the most value, if you can afford it, is without question the big day. It's entering the million, right? And the other races are where the promoter like hits a home run, right? And and doesn't, you know, there's a ton of cars for not a ton of payback. Yes. This was the opposite. The way that the million itself was structured, that there's a three thousand dollar entry fee, which we had talked about previously, like that's not unprecedented. But when it's been done before, the the minimum is huge, right? It was it was three three thousand dollars to enter the guaranteed million. I think it's $3,000 to enter some races that have paid $500,000 minimum. Well, this, the three grand, I think is very easily um, digested if you're racing for that type of prize at the top. This one, the way it fell, it's three grand to run for 250. And like, not that $250,000 is not a lot of money, but I think you had to make it down to like 12 cars just to get the entry fee back, right? I mean, it was... When you looked at it on, when you kind of broke it down, you're like, oh, like the fifties were awesome from a racer standpoint, the million, not so much, but fair is fair. And I said, I, I led this show by saying like, I've got some praise for SFG. That $50,000 race format is a massive, massive value to the racers if it continues. And overall, like, again, as someone that wasn't there, I feel like this was a pretty significant comeback, you know, after last year's million, like. Kyle Riley and the SFG team, they seem to still have tremendous loyalty, a, a very loyal following of people that have followed him through all of this. And like I said earlier, how much I despise the jackpot program, but one of the knocks against it was, and it just feels dirty. It seems like Kyle's guys or the big names always win it. Like, obviously they heard those rumblings too. They made a very conscious effort to make those drawings like very public. Right. Like that was something that all racers could see. We're going to pull paint names out of a hat. Like, and every feedback I got was like, that was legit. Like, you may not like the jackpot program, but the way they do it can't be questioned. Right. Like, I just feel like they made a lot of strides in a positive direction to recover the reputation of something that I thought had been tarnished. Yeah, Luke. I mean, obviously, I didn't get to watch the event that close. I certainly haven't studied the flyer or know any of those details. I I know that uh, Kyle has been promoting, or his team has been promoting, you know, massive round money, and uh, obviously, that's where the fifties come into play. In your opinion, on the fifties and how racer friendly they are. So, yeah, it's not uh, just a marketing ploy. Like the round money is tremendous. Yeah, yeah. So you know, obviously, that type of stuff generally generates a lot of interest and uh, a certainly participation. Um, you know, it's debatable on the, the total number that he had, if that's kind of what he expected or, you know, was he thinking more 500? I mean, obviously I don't, 
if you felt like just a, a quick glance, it was profitable, but didn't blow it out. I would think he was probably hoping for a, a 500 number more so than the 330 number. So all that is wonderful. But I, again, I, I have to say that, you know, if, if there's a negative vibe around your event or your promotion effort or whatever, people don't care about that. They don't care about $500 round money and they don't care about how racer friendly your payout is. Um, they're just not going to attend. You know, there's, there's a lot of discussion around SFG and they say all publicity is good publicity. And that may be the case, but, you know, Kyle uh, definitely isn't helping himself with things like the jackpot and uh, some of the, um, I don't, I don't want to tear him down here. And it sounds like that's what I'm doing. I mean, George Hoff's already tearing my ass up about Tesla's, but, um, but, you know, I'm going to get destroyed for this, but there's antics. It seems like there's antics around SFG events. Well, and, and that's, that's where I'm trying to go here in general. Like I felt like it was very much trending that way and the public sentiment was against. And perhaps, perhaps it's just that now the, the market that was at Martin is the loyal SFG following that's going to be there no matter what. And perhaps everybody else has had enough. Right. Maybe that's it. But I just didn't hear any of the negative pushback. And I felt like there was a concerted effort to change some of the things that didn't go over well. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just I thought coming in, man, this thing is in trouble. And after kind of sitting through it and, and keeping a finger on the pulse, if you will, throughout the weekend, I, I actually feel differently. I, I think that they've managed to pull this out. And and I think it's back on the upswing. Could be wrong, but that's the sense I get. And if you feel that way, you typically have a pretty good, uh, pretty good feel for for the landscape and what's good and what isn't good. And if if you feel that way, then uh, I would certainly not be in position to debate that with you. Um, you know, his his purse and entry and all that stuff's wonderful. It really is. I mean, Kyle has done very good things for our sport. Very good things. Really changed a lot of the way that our sport has happened from the time he came into it as a promoter. But, you know, the, you're only going to, you're only going to make changes for so long in a positive way before you make that one or two in a negative way. And, and people are just going to, they're going to cut you off. I mean, and, you know, jackpots and those type things I. You know, I just don't think people really care for that. I've, I've seen a lot of negative comments about that. And again, it doesn't add value to the event. So, you know, try to continue to add value. And Kyle's an innovative guy. He really is. He's a smart guy that comes up with some really good ideas and uh, has impacted our sport positively with a lot of those ideas. Just, you know, my only advice would be when you when you're thinking about a change, Think about if it adds value to the event. And if it does, then go with it. That's a good rule of thumb, no question. And I guess if I was to sum this up, I to put in the simplest terms, I feel like right or wrong, 
Kyle and the SFG structure has lost the trust of a lot of racers over the years. But I felt like, and again, I, I could be off base. I felt like this weekend was the beginnings of rebuilding some of that. Like it was a step in the right direction. And to your earlier point, I mean, we've talked about this before. Kyle Riley is a is a polarizing promoter, right? Because think what you what you will of him, but what he comes up with is outside the conventional box, right? And 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 I talked about the the jackpot deal, and we I think we're in agreement. Like we hate it, right? Like, but that's one of several things that Kyle has done that have just kind of bucked convention, bucked tradition that were not immediately well received and i don't i hope that this doesn't over time become the norm but so many of his outside the box unconventional untraditional um ideas like if you look back pete and kyle were the first to to separate door cars and dragsters like that was very innovative when they came up with the idea but kyle was the first to take it to the next level like take it to the extreme like they don't run to the final and that's becoming more the norm. There weren't, 10 years ago, there weren't a lot of marquee big dollar bracket races that featured same car, same driver, double entries until SFG did it. And now it's the norm, right? Like like the jackpot thing, like those ideas sound crazy, especially to those of us that are accustomed to the traditional way of doing things. But by and large, many of his ideas that were considered untraditional, unconventional, maybe even outlandish initially, they have been adopted by other promoters. Like, in fact, several of those ideas are now kind of universally expected now, accepted. Now, are those, are those changes better for our sport? That, that could be debated in a lot of cases, right? But they have become accepted. My point is he's moved the needle. And now, like I say, uh, to, from my per- perception the the trust is beginning to be rebuilt like the product is improving so again like i've i've said enough over the years um kind of not necessarily bashing but questioning a lot of the sfg decisions so i'll just give credit where credit is due i I think this was a positive step for that group yeah i don't disagree with that like um you know he uh he he put a a flyer out he did everything that he said he would do on the flyer and you know if you if you read the flyer and you show up and they do exactly what they said they were going to do on the flyer. What what argument could you have against it? So, Kyle uh, Kyle did just that, and uh, and I think that that gains instant respect among the the racing community. And certainly, you know, whether you were there or not, you have to respect that. Um, so, hopefully, that continues to lead him towards uh, you know a comeback, if you will, and and keep putting these great races on and keep allowing people opportunity to race for life-changing money and all will be well. Next week, Big J, we've got a big EV discussion on tap. We have set the table for that. Light weekend on the NHRA Tour. I think there's one Lucas Oil Series event. It's at New Media. The uh, the Big Dollar Bracket Tour, if you will, heads to Virginia for the uh, the marquee event the the uh, the crowning jewel if you will of the triple threat series at vmp so i'm sure we'll talk about that some regional big dollar events holly springs muncie indiana um, probably one or two more that we'll touch on on next show but uh, i think that's it i think that's the show did we have anything else we needed to hit today uh luke the only thing that comes 
So mine is the uh, the Great American 500K uh, entry has opened up. I'm in. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I uh, I hope that's going well. I've, I've been uh, certainly um, really consumed with WFC stuff, so haven't got a chance to talk to Britt or Galen. So hope that's going well. I know that there, the timing system work with the new AccuTime system is happening at uh, Capital City. Nice. Uh, they're they're already uh, putting that in place. So um, I think everything's lining up for a wonderful back half of the year. Uh, the the Great American 500K is uh, you know the next just super mega dollar uh, race to come to Capital City and and I hope that it's a huge success. Now, certainly the OG Million has moved to St. Louis. We know that it's going to be great, but uh, I want to see Capital City continue to to do well. And um, and I think that race has the opportunity to put them well the Mike Smith Memorial. Uh, will be prior to the 500. So that one probably will be the biggest test coming up later this year and then the 500. So uh, if you're um, if you're on the fence about the Great American 500K, uh, the effort is there. The, the new owner of the facility is fully invested in doing whatever it takes to uh, reinstall the, the confidence from the racers that 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 facility can and will hold mega dollar events and do it well and do it fair. Ben Willis and the staff there is ready. So uh, don't sit on that fence, get in that 500 K fill that sucker up. And let's, let's have another awesome event down there at capital city. I don't know how many pre-entries they've got big Jed. I know they got two. We <laughs> in there now. Well, if, if Luke and Jess believe, then who are we to not believe? So let's, uh, Let's follow their lead and get in that thing, fill it up for them. All right, that's it. Uh, I can't wait to – okay, George, we, we can be friends again. You, you made that last comment. I love that. WFC is definitely the best. I can't wait till George tears my ass out of the frame next week uh, about this EV discussion. This is <laughs> this is going to be a blast. I think I'm already sick for next week's show. Uh, see if that mad ass can, can come back next week <laughs> he probably doesn't want to open that can of worms either <laughs> no he probably don't i love george off so i'm looking forward to it that's it for this one guys uh if you got uh something that you'd like to discuss with us or you want to say about this show or uh you know what we should have said what we shouldn't have said whatever there's a place to do that it's the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page where you can go post it right there as my man george hoff is doing with him pretty red lips thank you george i love you and um, you can do just like George and post that, or you can send us a private message and producer Mark, if we ever get him back to work, we'll snag that sucker right up and let us know what you had to say. Luke, I've seen you look down at your pad a time or two. I feel like there's some shouts in there somewhere. Shouts to Tesla's shouts to number 26 <laughs> shouts to hindsight. It's 20. <laughs> Shouts to the one, the only, Bobby Joe Pennington. He of the burnout under the Atlanta Dragway Tower. He of the running over of the dog. Oh, yeah. Bobby Joe. And most of all, last but never least, shouts to Stephanie Buston Nass. What a great shouts wrap up right there with our friend Buston. All right, guys, Luke and I are also active on the Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki. 
B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I almost said Luke is at Bugaki, uh, but it's Luke Bogaki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We'd love for you to tweet at us uh, or just contact us on our Facebook page or whatever. We need to hear from you folks. We need to know you're out there. Good participation tonight on the show. I'm sure the EV discussion is going to be off the chain next I saw, week, and I can't wait. I saw in the chat shouts to the junior parents parking over a week early at Bristol. I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm leaving Sunday. We're going to be there. No, you're not one of them, Luke. You no, I'm not. Understand. I'm not in line as we record on Thursday. I guess I'm not. You don't understand. Here. You don't understand. <laughs> I don't know That's what I'm getting into. I'll have a full report in a couple of weeks. No, real quick. I got to say it. We got there. I rolled in there Tuesday night at midnight. And, you know, as soon as you come through the gate there in Bristol by the booth where you stop and do your business, just that left side, along that left side right there, that main road that just goes down into that lower area, that left side by the by the bathroom, the new bathroom they put up down there on the bottom side, stacked. I mean, trailers lined up Tuesday, Tuesday at midnight, Luke. And I'm like, there's caution tape. There's there's these metal gates in between trailers i'm like crap man these people must have got here freaking early i mean they they must have raced the previous weekend and just left their stuff here so i'm like man that's all good you know i'm excited i'm excited about uh the the crowd because this many people here on tuesday it's like it's like maybe 15 trailers taking up 20 plus spots Mm -hmm. I, i may be exaggerating but it felt like they had the whole pits locked up so I go through all that and I'm, I ride around Wednesday and there's people out working on their cars, putting plugs in them, you know, adjusting the carburetor, washing them, whatever. I ride around a couple of times pretty good Wednesday just to see everybody and not a soul, not a soul where those trailers are has gotten out and doing anything <laughs> to their car. And I told Jenny, I said, something don't feel right about this, baby. I'm, I, don't, I don't like what I'm seeing right there because nobody's been out. Well, come to find out, it was junior parents that that stacked up right there. They're like, that's yeah, a, I like air quotes, out of the way. <laughs> that's a week so, and a, I mean, the Bristol experience, as, I've, as I'm learning, is a marathon. Like it starts tomorrow and ends next Saturday or Sunday. Okay, but it's start. My point here is, it starts tomorrow. This line was there a week and a half in advance of a week long junior dragster race. That is correct, Luke. And um, there were, it was reported they were all junior parents, but there were like three rigs out of the fifteen that were there for us, and the rest of them were just uh, parking for the junior race, a junior event. Okay, and and our prime parking and, and the largest event we've ever had, the largest field we've ever had. So you can imagine, I was uh, no BL. I did well. I did get a call from a couple of them. Yeah, I'm sorry, but um, you can imagine I was I was pretty angry and uh, got a call from someone that said, "Look, I, I'm you know I'm off on vacation. I thought I was going to be out of the way. I'll just buy an entry." And you just charge me for a weekend entry and, and we're, we'll be good. And I was like, no, you know, that's a, that the, the value is not in selling you an entry. The value is in the people that actually came here 
being able to park, park in a good spot and enjoy themselves. There's the value. I don't need to sell you an entry. I got done so more of them than I ain't sure I can handle. You know, so what I need is that spot. So <laughs> we did end up getting some some clarity and and some stuff moved around and and helped us a lot. But uh, we we definitely will handle things a little differently going forward. Sorry to bring it up, Jed. I didn't realize what I, what what Pandora's box I was opening. But yeah, shout yeah. to those guys and gals. No, you you ain't parking early. If you left and went right now, you ain't parking early. You parking late. So <laughs> it's all good. So anyway, that wraps us up, guys. Can't wait to talk to y'all next week about EV race cars, hot rods. It's going to be a good discussion, a positive discussion. And then, of course, all of the great racing that we've still got on the schedule that we'll get to talk about. And that'll be next week. We're looking forward to talking to you real soon about more sportsman drag racing. Have a great night. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.